This is the Laravel News Podcast, your one-stop podcast to find out about Laravel-related news, tutorials, packages, and more. Here are your hosts, Jake Bennett and Michael Dorenda. Hey everybody, welcome to episode 140 of the Laravel News Podcast. Thanks for uh, being a little bit patient with us. We had a bit of a snafu this week. Michael had friends in and and then I slept through our recording makeup time and now we're a little bit late because Michael's MacBook was dead because reasons. So man, it's just like... uh, it's like it's uh, you know the universe is trying to stop universe. us from recording this, but mm-hmm. we're not gonna let that we're not we're not gonna let that universe tell us what to do. No, 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 no. So we are back with episode one hundred and forty, and glad to have you with us. So let's jump right into it, shall we? Let's do it. We shall. Okay. Laravel. So here we go. Yeah, go ahead. Laravel. 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 Laravel eight thirty six was released with a custom stub option when creating controllers. A new use current on update method for Blueprint daytime columns in MySQL and a dispatch sync helper function. So let's start with that dispatch sync. Dries Vince contributed this this helper function as an alternative to dispatch now. The dispatch sync method is the recommended way to do synchronous dispatching immediately. And there were some uh, reasons for this and I did read into them, but um, I think it was it was to address some inconsistencies with the way that dispatch sync operated or dispatch now operated compared to the regular dispatch helper. Um, so this was just to make it more consistent and rather than introducing breaking changes in a, in a minor release, they created a new method and I think they've deprecated the old, the old one. So definitely check that out. If, uh, if you wanted yeah, to do dispatch sync, I, I do wonder what the big difference is. Is there, um, we should probably look into it, right? I, I don't know. Like, I'm curious. Like, what's it, we, we don't have a link to like the PR or anything. I guess we like maybe we do, but um, yeah, we'll we'll have to come back to that. We probably don't have time for it today, but we'll have to we'll have to loop back to it in a future episode or something. So, dispatch sync was introduced. To, yeah, as I said, to resolve discrepancies between using sync and dispatch now. Dispatch now is no longer di- documented, and dispatch sync is recommended. So it was just, as I said, addressing some inconsistencies between how the, the the two functions are operating. So although in edge case, when a job without a raw body gets dispatched synchronously, it will fail because the job class cannot be found. So this first checks if a payload is set or not and can prevent the exception from being thrown. So it's fixing an issue. Um, we'll have links to it all in the in the show notes, of course. Um, so the other, other thing here we've got uh, on the MySQL date time columns, you can have a on... Uh, update use current for a MySQL daytime, which allows using daytime columns for metadata like created at and updated at more effectively. Um, and this is because timestamp columns in MySQL suffer from the year 2038 problem. So th- that problem being that they will not store a date greater than, than I think March or something in 2038. So using daytime columns is preferred in some application applications. So this allows you to then use current on update. Um, so it will set the, the value of that field to the current time when it is updated. We have a contribution from Taylor, which allows you to skip trim strings and convert empty strings to null middleware via a closure. 
Currently, Livewire has to do some nasty hacking to skip these middleware on certain requests, and the approach is not suitable for use with Octane. Adding this feature will allow Livewire and other libraries to register a callback with this base middleware during the framework's boot process to determine if the middleware should be skipped. The callback will receive the current request on each invocation. So if you've ever needed to um, skip using trim strings or convert empty strings on null on specific endpoints, but you still want to have it generally available in your application, this will be useful to you. And Brian Dillingham contributed a dash dash type flag for the make controller command to define custom stub types for controllers. So if you were to PHP artisan make controller, custom controller, dash dash custom, this would look for a controller.custom.stub file in the application stubs directory when creating that new file. And custom stubs are helpful if you want more control and less manual editing when creating new controllers in a project. So for example, I publish all of the Laravel default stubs into my application and I'll remove things like doc blocks. Um, My migrations, I'll remove the down method because I never use them for any of my migrations and things like that. So publishing your own stub files gives you control over what the make artisan commands will generate for your application. Um, and, and that allows you to not have to do that repetitive editing every time you put in a new um, new function or job or class or whatever. Nice, like that. Dries Vince contributed a, a dash dash unfinished option to the Q prune batches console command that accepts an integer of hours to retain incomplete batch data. With the unfinished option, the command will prune unf- uh, will prune finished batches and unfinished batches based on the batch creation date older than X hours. So thanks to Dries for that. And Yona Luffler contributed a repeat method for the string and stringable classes, which allows you to repeat a character. So if you were to string colon colon repeat a comma five, this will print out five A's. So thanks to Yona for that one. Uh, that's hmm. all we've got for 8.36. You can see a full list of the new features and updates, which we'll have links to in the show notes. I'm interested in the uh, repeat method, like what that was, what was the original intent for that, you know? Probably just bringing a object-oriented approach to, you know, a string underscore repeat is a function in PHP, so probably just wrapping over that and exposing it sure. in, the, in the object. Yep, that makes sense. That makes sense. Let's talk about 8.37. So in 8.37, we have anonymous migration support, uh, which solves a GitHub issue with migration class and uh, name collisions. And I think that was really the majority of the... Mm of the the uh the release here so let's talk about that for a little bit yeah yeah so the core of the problem is that if you have multiple migrations that have the same class name it'll cause issues when trying to recreate the database from scratch i've run into this before actually uh so in laravel 8.37 the framework can now work with anonymous class migration files there's an example in the pull request tests where you have two classes uh let's see here is it two classes named the same thing is that what they're trying to see here yeah Yep. Yeah. Yeah. So I think the example was if you have like a create news table mm-hmm. and then you yep. later remove the news table and then you subsequently then create news table create again. again. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Because of the way that the migrator loads the the migration classes, it'll get a naming collision because the, the underlying class in that migration file is called create news table in two places. And so it, it gets a conflict between those two. You know, it can't uniquely identify the the class when auto loading it. 
So using the anonymous closures now means that it's going to use the file name as the key. And because it's an anonymous closure, you don't have to worry about collisions. This is also, I suppose, less so when you're doing that. Like I don't, in in most applications, you're probably not going to create a table remover and then later recreate it. I think that's a less common thing than having a collision between a migration provided by a package. I know at my last job, we used to have, you know, application-specific migrations, but then we wouldn't have migrations from our package of models. And, you know, we would have collisions between like an application user's table and a user's table provided by the, the package. So that that's something I think would that would happen more often than than this. But the, the anonymous closures is a good solution to this problem. It's quite quite handy there's also in this uh i'm i'm jumping all over this 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 article but uh it also gives you ability tacking on to um customizing stubs if you were to publish your migration uh, publish your vendor stubs for laravel you could then update the migrations such that it will always return the anonymous closures for you automatically so we basically provide some context here on how to do that in in the article that we'll link to in the show notes and that will mean that as long as you're using Laravel 8.37 and above, you can have your um, stubs or your new migrations generated using the anonymous closure syntax. And to be clear, I just want to make sure I'm I'm not missing something here. Is it anonymous closures or anonymous class? I think it's anonymous class. Anonymous class, classes, right? sorry. Yeah, okay. Classes. Okay, that's that's what I was understanding too. Uh, so typically when you would generate a migration, it would say return, uh, or no, it wouldn't say return. It would say, uh, it would, you'd would use a, a class. named class to do that, right? Mm-hmm. And so instead of that, what's happening here is, is just return new class extends migration is the big difference here, right? Mm-hmm. And so uh, that is, that's the ticket there. So it's not a named class. It's yeah. just an anonymous class. And that's how you can avoid the naming collisions there, mm-hmm. right? So Kind of like JavaScript exports, I guess. Yep. Yeah, that's a good, that's a good comparison there. Mm-hmm. Yep. So a uh, couple ways again. Yeah. So in order to do that, you could... Um, you could literally just go into all your migrations and return new anonymous classes for those. And then basically what Michael saying too is, you know, as he talked about with, you know, publishing all the different stub files, you could go in and modify your existing stubs to do use this new syntax as well. Um, mm-hmm. Making sure also that the other thing you have to do is add a trailing semicolon at the end of the class to make sure that that is uh, effectively closed. And then you can also update your Composer JSON in your app to support at a minimum Laravel 8.37 and then Composer update and that should be all set for you. So if you've had this problem or if you have uh, this problem with like package migrations like Michael was talking about or delete and recreate a table, something like that, this could be pretty helpful moving forward and will be the new default after this point moving forward uh, 8.37. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. All right. Let's keep going here. Why don't you take Laravel Octane? Absolutely. Oh, man, because you want the Tailwind CSS, don't you? You big jerk. Oh, I, no, just, took, I just took all the releases, so you <laughs> may, as well, may as well do this one. All right, Laravel Octane Beta is now released. So this is really highly anticipated, obviously, since Laracon, uh, first-party package for running highly performant Laravel, utilizing environments like Swool and Roadrunner. So the demos uh, during Laracon showcased Octane reaching over 6,000 requests per second. Uh, so it is still in beta, uh, but the Laravel team is really hard at work ensuring that all of our first-party packages like Jetstream and Horizon and Spark are all uh, compatible with Octane, which they've made 
really good progress on it looks like the only thing still outstanding is nova uh but that could be out of date actually it might be i'm guessing it's probably uh compatible I think it has with nova been done, as well yeah. yeah yeah so we've also seen uh early testing of octane against other really popular third-party open source packages in the in the laravel community so right now the focus of the effort is making sure octane is solid with the laravel framework itself uh as well as uh as you know others that are popular in the community uh, so a recurring thing we've noticed from the early feedback is that service providers need to use the dollar sign app within the closure instead of the dollar sign this app instance. Uh, so you can learn more about Octane, get the full installation instructions, do the source code, of course. Um, and again, remember that this is in beta, so probably not ready for your production apps yet, but definitely ready for for playing around in uh, in your local stuff or just sort of your sandbox stuff. Also, the notes section of the Octane documentation contains details to help package maintainers make their packages compatible with Octane. If you are a package developer, uh, definitely check that out if you're interested in making sure that your package can work with Octane moving forward. So there's that one. All right, Tailwind. Tailwind. The 2.1 is now released. The major headline item here is that the JIT engine that we talked about Last episode, the just-in-time compiler for Tailwind, which was an external package or an external dependency, is now rolled in as part of Tailwind v2.1. So you can get rid of all that stuff that you added before, and you can just add mode colon JIT to your Tailwind config file, and then configure purge to properly scan your application for the things that need to be searched for Tailwind classes. So that's all in line, works really well, really quick, pretty pretty seamless a migration from that and then i think this is an optional sort of turn it on kind of thing for mm-hmm. tailwind 2.x in 3.x whenever that happens to release i believe the plan is to make it the default for development so uh, it's a really cool feature works very well and uh, the, the build times and things like that just in terms of building an application using it are really fast so kudos to the tailwind team for that it also adds filter and backdrop filter utilities to Tailwind, which give you a composable API similar to the transform utilities in Tailwind for applying filter or backdrop filter classes when you combine utilities for blur, brightness, contrast, drop shadow, and other filter properties. You can check out the possibilities in the Tailwind documentation. Uh, We will include links to that in the show notes. Absolutely. And it used to be that you'd have to include things sort of like one-off, right? When you're talking about those optional items, right? And now with JIT, you can literally just, it's all included by default, mm-hmm. right? And then it just builds yeah. it as it needs, which is really handy too. And they don't really have to be afraid of like limiting those things anymore. It's just like, yeah. it's all there. I had the, I was doing, there's a shapepatterns.app or something like that that I was using for a, a site that I'm building at the moment. And I needed to use like a specific pixel height for my my shape. And so using the, the JIT compiler, you can do H dash square bracket 50 PX close square bracket and it would just generate that as a 50 pixel height so automatically for you yeah like it's it's just pure chef kiss magic i know right it's like <laughs> i was talking to somebody about it the other day they're like i mean it's pretty much inline styling and i was like well yeah i mean like in the example that he was showing in you in on the youtube um video uh during like the, the jit release like when he first sort of teased it or was showing it yeah. Um, that's exactly what he was doing. He had two different background images depending on the size. And he had to do like, basically they're the exact same syntax. And then he had to hide one for desktop and show the other one for mobile and then swap them. Right. Because you had this weird 
sort of adjust the background based on which size it was and it was there was mm-hmm. it wasn't something that was built in so instead of having to like go into your tailwind config and create these two or or you know extend components uh in your css file and then yeah. create new little components you just do it straight in line in the html yeah. right that's that's sort of the yep. beauty of it it's like you can just stay in the html you don't have to switch over to your css mm-hmm. stuff you just stay right there and you can do it right in the right yeah. in the html which is it feels really good so yep 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 awesome Okay, so we've got a major Heroicons release, which now includes Vue and React components and Figma files, which is super nice. So Heroicons are beautifully handcrafted SVG icons by the makers of Tailwind CSS, Steve Shoger. The project hit a significant milestone with the release of version 1.0, which brings some exciting features that'll make you using Heroicons an even better experience. There's now over 450 plus icons, both solid and outline. They have React and Vue packages and Figma source files. The easiest way to get started is by copying the SVG code for an icon from the Heroicons website. In addition to using SVG directly, it now has an accompanying NPM package for Vue and React. So there's a couple examples here of how you would use these inside of Vue, how you'd use these inside of React, which in this case is just like, you know, bracket beaker icon and then your classes and then slash close, right? That's it. Simple, simple, yeah. simple. So you just import that NPM uh, and then you can use that right inside your React or your Vue uh, templates. It also has, uh, similar to how you have with Tailwind UI, um, now a Figma file that, so that you can use these inside of your mockups really quickly. Uh, they also have a community Figma file now so you can incorporate your Heroicons into your next Figma project without having to go into Heroicons.dev, search for it copy, paste the, the SVG, and now you can just use it straight out of uh, your library in Figma. So pretty awesome. Uh, the Heroicons.com website has a searchable interface to browse through all the available icons, which is new, I think, right? Because it used to be only Heroicons.dev. Yeah, would do yeah that. I think it's the yep. first party thing that they built. Yep, so now they've got it They've got it right built into Heroicons.com, so no longer. They scooped .dev. That's all right. <laughs> it's a welcome, welcome addition. So nice job. You know what else we forgot to talk about real quick here at the beginning of the show that I'm going to talk about right now is our sponsor. We forgot the sponsor, Michael. No. What the heck? We did. We did. We're going to talk about them right now. So Scout APM is our sponsor. So Scout APM is application performance monitoring. That's the APM part there. It's designed to help PHP developers quickly find and fix performance issues without having to deal with the headache of overhead of enterprise platform feature bloat. It's got a developer-centric UI and tracing logic that ties bottlenecks to your source code. So it helps you pinpoint and resolve performance or abnormalities like N plus one queries or slow database queries or memory memory bloat, things like these that would not be obvious until your app is in production so that you can spend less time debugging and more time building. So Scout's real-time alerting and weekly digest emails can help you rest easy knowing that Scout's on watch to help you resolve performance issues before your customers ever see them. Right now, Scout is giving uh, users a free 14-day trial so that you can experience firsthand why PHP developers call Scout their very best friend. So, and also for Laravel News listeners, uh, Scout will donate $5 to the open source project of your choice when you deploy. So you can learn more about Scout at scoutapm.com slash Laravel News. Hey, Scout, thanks so much. We appreciate you. Beautiful. Thanks, Scout. All right, on with the news, my friend. On with the news. PHP's Git server was compromised and malicious code was pushed to the source code. 
The PHP core Git repository was compromised and a bad actor pushed two commits that introduced code ejection into an HTTP header to the PHP source and impersonated both Nikita Popov and Rasmus Ludov. On the PHP internals mailing list, Nikita said, we don't yet know how exactly this happened, but everything points to war- towards the compromise of the git.php.net server rather than a compromise of an individual Git account. This is uh, subsequently they've, the, the PHP core team have moved all of the source over to uh, github.com. So they're no longer managing that. There was some subsequent discussion around this folks over at PHP Ugly, uh, Eric Van Johnson and uh, Tom Ryder and John Congdon. They sat down with Sarah Goldman and they they talked about the, the, the things that happened and, and there's a little bit more information that's come to light since the, the timing of this article. Most importantly... No, this this only happened into the into the source code. This was not tagged as a release unless unless you were, you know, pulling and, and compiling your own PHP from from master by yourself. Um, there, you know, which is probably something not many people are doing. Right. So right. there's there's not a huge risk to to have this you know hit public anywhere. They did decide to hold off on release of new PHP versions for two weeks, so deferring a release there, a patch release of PHP. So the core team has been very good in in dealing with it. Uh, they've been very open and transparent in communicating what happened and, and how they've addressed it and things like that and what their plans are moving forward. So um, we will link not only to this article but also to the, the episode or the podcast episode. I think it was a YouTube stream, so we'll link to that in the show notes as well so you can check that out if you are interested in hearing more. Hey, so uh, let's see. On April 2nd, it looks like Laracon Online, of course, had been over by this point. But there was still some interesting news regarding the latest site and illustration. So uh, Canico and Flick Nelson worked together on that site. It was an awesome site. They put together some merch as well, right? T-shirts and posters and stuff like that. It was one of my favorite illustrations in a while. They did a really, really good job on this. So Kaneko joined Freik on a YouTube stream to talk about some of the secrets behind the logo, behind the illustration. So I'm not going to go through all of them, but uh, suffice it to say there are a couple little Easter eggs inside of the illustration. So for one, there is the word Laracon hidden inside of the logo, which was pretty (laughs) clever. Uh, I tried to show it to my kids on my t-shirt the other day. I was like, oh, yeah, it actually says Laracon. My son was like, really? Where? Can I see? Can you show me? And so I was showing him the uh, the different letters inside the different squares of the the Laravel logo where it said Laracon, which was pretty cool. And then they also have like this cheat sheet that has all these different little illustration Easter eggs where you have like the Taylor Otwell bobblehead that made it in and his uh, Spock and Kirk poster that that's in there little things like Pac-Man in the queues uh, section in the bottom left. Uh, they have all sorts of little little interesting tidbits. You got SpongeBob, a Street Fighter arcade machine, all sorts of cool stuff. So really, really cool. Uh, and it looks like the two are going to be teaming up again in September to bring a fresh site for Laracon Online Summer Edition. So really looking forward to that as well. So check that out. Check that stream out on YouTube uh, or look at the link in the show notes and, and watch that. It's a fun one. It's not not too long. Let me see if I can tell you. Oh, get us a little bit longer than I thought it was going to be. Actually, I think it's an hour, 20 minutes. Uh, right. the, the part where it picks up is like 48 minutes in, though. So it's probably like a half hour to watch, maybe 20. Uh, so it's worth it's worth a watch. It's, it's fun to see kind of all the work and time they put into that. So 
great job guys there uh awesome awesome stuff perfect php storm my favorite yes php storm code all right now I love this one just code for you. with me for pair programming JetBrains, the company behind PHP Storm and other such IDEs, has announced the public launch of the Code With Me service to enable collaborative development and pair programming across the majority of JetBrains IDEs, fundamentally changing the developer experience. So this gives you the ability to pair program collaboratively, editing, testing, and debugging code, swarm programming. So they, I think it supports on the free tier uh, a 30-minute collaborative session with up to three guests and they can scale up to, I think, hundreds. I heard there's like an enterprise plan that allows you to, you know, put put coding sessions in front of hundreds of hundreds of people. So you can use it for teaching and mentoring, for interviewing, for technical code reviews and things like that, uh, code interviews and things like that. So definitely check that out if you're using PHP Storm and you are interested in doing any uh, peer programming using it. Uh, peer peer program pair peer programming peer programming peer. Peer programming. That's what you would say if you are South African. South African. Yes, indeed. <laughs> um, my whole team uses this uh, now that Wilbur Powery is uh, moved on to his next job, his next thing, which I'm still salty about. Um, <laughs> yeah, he used to like, he actually would, it wasn't this that was the problem for him. It was like Microsoft Teams we'd use on occasion. And he'd be like, every time mm-hmm. I'd ask him to get on Teams to do something, he'd be like, oh, let me turn on the airplane. Because his fans would just go, and so he uh, he did not like using Teams, and uh, I think also the reason why he didn't like using PHP Storm sometimes. But yeah, you just got to know how to how to handle her. She's a fickle uh, mistress, PHP Storm. <laughs> okay, here we go. Uh, packages. Moving on to packages here. So SOAP is a Laravel SOAP client that provides a clean interface for handling requests and responses. How many of you have ever had to deal with SOAP out there? Go ahead and raise your hands. I can see you. Yeah, absolutely. Me too. Uh huh. Mm-hmm. Nobody likes having to work with SOAP APIs, but we don't always get a choice. Isn't that true? Anytime you're dealing with like a mm-hmm. financial institution, if it's not like Stripe or something like that, you're going to be using SOAP. So why hasn't anybody done anything about this yet? Now they have. SOAP is a plug, plug and play package for Laravel that makes SOAP, dare I say, enjoyable to work with in your applications. If you've worked with the HTTP client introduced in Laravel 7, you're going to feel right at home working with SOAP, this new package. So making your first SOAP request is uh, talked about right here in this little tutorial. You can fake requests, uh, which is a big deal, right? Uh, Whether Mm -hmm. it's uh, in unit tests or local development, uh, all of these challenges for faking that stuff. Again, it feels really similar or familiar if you're used to using the HTTP client introduced in Laravel 7. Uh, there's also this idea of hooks. So almost every SOAP API has some strange quirk that you need to factor in. It can be really frustrating to require messy conditional logic to normalize the data in your code. With the SOAP package, you can move all that logic out of the way using hooks. For example, imagine that the SOAP API that you're using requires a version parameter with each request, and you don't want to include that manually in each location that you call the API. Instead, you can place a global hook that will fire before each request to include that version parameter automatically it also has debugging with ray built in which is pretty awesome so you can use ray show soap requests and you'll get a nicely formatted table with the endpoint method request and response body in the ray app every time a new soap request gets made how freaking cool is that so luke downing wrote this one up i'm not sure if he's also the one responsible for the uh for the package but i'm going to find out here one second yep luke downing there you go the man 
full stack developer from the UK working in insurance. That makes sense. <laughs> yeah, so there we go. That's the soap package. You have to deal with soap. I do. Uh, you might want to check this out. I'm going to send this over to my other developer real quick because we're uh, we're definitely dealing with soap on a regular basis. So yeah, Perfect. there we go. Next up, we have a brand new version of Laravel Lambo written from scratch in PHP. So for those of you who don't know, Lambo is a tool that gives you Laravel new superpowers, wrapping up many common tasks that you take every time you start a new Laravel application. So it will run Laravel new for you. It will initialize a Git repo, which Laravel new does now. Didn't at the time of this being built. Uh, replaces .env database credentials with default Mac OS MySQL credentials, replaces your app URL based on the valet URL, generates an app key, opens the project in your favorite editor, and opens the project in the browser. You can customize the behavior by creating a config file and an after file to run additional commands after creating the project. So maybe you want to um, require some specific composer packages in everything that you, you know, every new Laravel app. Maybe you want to add Barry uh, van der Wavel's debug bar. Maybe you want to add Laravel Ray. Maybe you want to add um, Livewire in every app you build ever because you love it that much or Inertia.js if that is your preference. Then you can do all of that using Lambo. And who doesn't want to have a Lambo running in their terminal? So this was a project created by Matt Stauffer of Titan Co. many moons ago and rewritten recently thanks to uh, Ragus1975. Ragus is uh, John Sugar. So check that out. Uh, If you've been using Lambo or if you haven't used it, check it out again. And if you're checking it out for the first time, we will have links to all of that in the show notes. Very cool. Uh, we've got this other thing which allows you, it's called PHP Monitor, uh, which is a lightweight Mac OS menu bar app for managing for managing PHP and Valet services. So it helps you to manage multiple PHP instances, switch between PHP versions, locate config files, and gives you really uh, helpful information about your setup. It also uh, ties in really tightly with Laravel Valet. So you don't have to have Valet in order to use this, but it's it's basically built to work really well with it. So in the screenshot that they share here in the post, you can see that it surfaces other useful information from the PHP INI file, like memory limit or max post size, max upload size. If you need to restart all brew services to change PHP versions and restart Valet, this app can help with an easily accessible GUI. Uh, and it's really simple to install through Homebrew. Uh, so check this out. I think it's sort of like a pictures with a thousand words sort of deal. If you go into the blog post here and then look at the screenshot, I think you'll see pretty quickly why this would be so valuable. Uh, if nothing else, for me, for sure, like switching PHP versions has always been a little bit of a trick when you're mm-hmm. dealing with anything, like anytime you're wanting to switch versions, whether you're dealing with valet or just like, you know, what's being used in your command line or whatever. So if only for this, that would be, if only for that, this would be really helpful. We're going to be upgrading all of our stuff to PHP 8 in the very near future, very near future. And so it would be nice uh, to be able to just pop into PHP 8, test, uh, you know, run tests, and then pop back to 7.4 or whatever. So that's uh, that's really, really nice. And it looks great too. I, I love it. Mm. And it's free. I mean, it's it's awesome. The other thing which is cool is this is written in Swift. So it's not like an Electron app or anything like that, right? It's written in Swift. So it's a really nice example if you've never looked into developing Mac OS apps utilizing the menu bar. Uh, you go check it out in the, it's, it's open source, right? So you can go look at the source code and kind of 
see how how this is being built out. So really, really nice stuff here. Yeah, that's awesome. Beauty. Uh, let me see if I can give a shout out here to the the creator, Nikover Brugen. I'm I'm trying to see if that's actually Nico. That's it. It's not Nikover. It's Nico Verbruggen. Yeah, there we go from Belgium. <laughs> awesome. Nice. Thanks, Nico. Perfect. All right. Looks like we have hit the packages. So has many through relationships with unlimited. Levels. This is a package by Jonas Staudenmeier, which allows Eloquent has many through relationships with unlimited levels. It supports many-to-many and polymorphic relationships and all their possible combinations. So what can we do here? I don't know. Let's have a look at the readme. The extended version of has many through allows relationships with unlimited intermediate models. It supports many-to-many and polymorphic. Uh, it looks like this package has been around for quite a long time. It has support all the way back to... Laravel 5.5. So it, it offers two ways of defining deep relationships, specifying the intermediate models, foreign and local keys manually, or concatenating existing relationships. All right, you, you can try and explain it. I okay. can't so say I've ever have, had a use case for this myself. Have you ever had like a situation like that where you end up having like this deeply nested relationship where you have a country which has users and a user has posts and that post has comments, and you wanted to basically say, give me how many comments there are for this country, right? Mm-hmm. In order okay. to do that, you have to do this like, okay, country, give me your users, user, give me your posts, posts, give me your comments, mm-hmm. right? Uh, and something like that. And then you have to kind of tie them all together manually. And so yeah. you have you this ability this to do giant has many into memory. Yeah, you have has many through, but it only works through like one layer. So you could mm-hmm. say user comments because it goes user post comments. Users related to post, post is related to comments. So user comments, right? Has many through. User has many comments through post. But that now you can say country comments. And instead of has many through, it's has many deep. So you can say, wow. I'm looking for the app comment. And this is sort of the chain of relationships that I want you to use in order to get to that comment. So it's like, as a second argument, you pass app user and then app post. And then it uses those IDs to sort of like narrow down the scope until it gets to the final thing that you're looking for, which is really nice. Uh, The other thing that I've needed to use something like this for, but I don't know if it would support it, right? It would be like uh, Nova, Laravel Nova. Mm -hmm. So I don't remember the exact sort of schema of the has many deep that I needed, but I think it was like you had a user which belonged to a group and then you had a group which had a trip and then a trip which had attendees and then attendees which had whatever. So it was like, you know, I needed to be able to figure out like, okay, how many people are going for this group? And there was no really easy way to do that. Um, so this would this would make it easy. Uh, it certainly makes it easier for sure. Uh, I actually, mm-hmm. this was one that when it came up in the uh, Telegram feed, which by the way, if you're not subscribed to the Telegram feed, uh, Laravel News has a Telegram feed that you can subscribe to. And as soon as any of these blog posts are published, you'll get notified of them right away. So when this came out, I immediately popped this into our Slack channel. I was like, check this out. This might be something helpful. So yeah, that's kind of the idea. Does that does that make more sense? Yes. Yes, that kind of makes more sense to me now. Um, and it's certainly a more efficient way rather rather than, as I said, learning all of those nested relationships one by one and then having them all in memory and and making Jonathan Rennick cry about having all of that <laughs> extra stuff in, exactly. in memory. So definitely check yeah. that out if uh, if that's that's where you're at. Yeah. You want to take the next one too then since I just... Yeah, let's do it. Let's do it. Data transfer objects version 3 modernizes DTOs with PHP 8 features. So 
the data transfer object package is a package from, you'll never guess, Sparsi. That makes constructing <laughs> objects from arrays a breeze, giving you confidence in the data contained therein. I've been a package fan. Uh, Paul Redmond has been a fan of this package since version one. I've been a, a fan of this package since version two. And we'll hope that you'll consider the package for passing data around in your application. So we used this when we were building out then ping me. And it essentially allows us to take data at the boundary of our application. So when an API request comes in, for example, or when you're processing API data from a, from a third party and converting it into a data transfer object so that you can manipulate it in your application, but having confidence that it is always going to look in a consistent way. So you might get things come back from a, from a remote API that are named oddly or they don't make sense and you want to deal with it in something that makes more sense or is more in line with your, your application logic or your, you know, the wording within your application and the naming of things and things like that. So they're, they're very helpful for that. But with the version 3 release of this package, it jumps forward to using PHP 8. And using that means that you've got access to things like named arguments. You've got value casts that can convert properties typed as a DTO from an array to the DTO instance automatically. You've got custom casts. You've got strict DTOs, helper functions, runtime checks are gone now that they were used in previous versions and is now using PHP 8's type system. While the DTO package readme does delve into the more complex use case that the package supports, there are there is a simple example uh, in the show notes that we'll have for you that basically allows you to cast an array of data to public properties on the DTO and then enforcing their type. So, you know, making sure that your integers always come through as integers rather than strings because we know that PHP is notorious for that. Um, and things like that. So definitely check this out. I've done a terrible, terrible job of explaining this, but <laughs> using named arguments and things like that just makes it much cleaner to to look at and and set the values of this. This this package, if you look at the source code, uses all kinds of wild and wonderful um, reflection functions to to sort of make it work really, really well. And as someone who's not typically a fan of types, I'm a big fan of using these DTOs. So definitely, yeah, check they're it really, out. This really is probably. Handy. This is a is a top two sparsity package for me, the DTO one. Yeah. So pretty, check it out. We'll have links to, to everything in the show notes. Yeah. Actually, I wanted to see if I could find it. Uh, Nuno Maduro posted something about, I feel like it was like PHP 8.1 had enum something. Enums. In it. Yeah. 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 So there's enums. an enum, enum type, like first party native language feature coming to um, PHP 8.1. So that'll be out. Uh, November, December this year. So that's yeah, something to look so, forward to as well because that will certainly remove the need for these user land. I don't want to say hacks, but like user, user land implementations of these things that will be much more performant as um, language features because obviously we're not using reflection on, on runtime code in order to make them work. Yeah, and so I'm really looking forward to that. I think that's going to be really nice. Um, so honestly, I might wait on some of this stuff for myself just to like instead of switching to the... I don't know. If you're using the package already, great. Go for it. Like, go ahead and update to the latest version and stuff. We were actually like one of our sort of backlog items was to convert all of our enums that we're using in file, like in our existing projects to use uh, spassies. But I might just wait 
might just wait to until 8.1 comes out and, and do it that way do it then yeah right but i can't yeah. find his uh i can't find his tweet but i think it's in php internals somewhere so if you're interested you can check that out over there mm-hmm. all righty so generating regular expressions with grex cli so on occasion on a sem- like semi-regular occasion i'll see somebody post in like twitter Hey, can somebody help me with this regex? Like, I don't know exactly what's going on here. I can't <laughs> seem to match these, right? And they always like paste like a block of strings. Like, I'm trying to match all of these and not this one, right? Or something like that. And so, mm-hmm. inevitably, some regex ninja will come in and just. There's actually an XKCD comic about this, where there's like <laughs> this programmer sitting at like a keyboard and they can't figure out what to do. And then this person like swoops in on a rope, like Batman. And like types on the keyboard real fast and it's like <laughs> and then they leave. Um, so <laughs> that's sort of like what it feels like when I see that happen on Twitter. But Grex is going to help with that situation. So it's a command line tool and a library for generating regular expressions from user provided test cases. So exactly that tweet that you were going to tweet, no longer do you have to tweet it and expose your uh, ignorance of regex. Now you can just use Grex. So what it does is it will take uh, so like a simple example to the show in the blog post here, you all you have to do is you say grex dash C, and then you just paste in the list of strings that you have that you're hoping to match, right? There may be like, two or three or four or five or 10, right, whatever it's going to be. And then what it will do is it will output for you the regex that would use that would be used to match those, right? So it creates a valid regex based on the input, you can, uh, of course, refine and optimize the regular expression further. So let's say, as an example, you provide a list of URLs that you want to match via Grex. You might intend to support both HTTP and HTTPS for all domains. But in your example, maybe uh, it doesn't include the HTTP HTTP version. Um, So you can then take sort of the the one that they've given you and then, again, further customize it uh, to make it so it match against additional output. And then you can, oh, man, this is so cool. There are so many cool things here. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so maybe it's not like a one-stop shop. I mean, like if, you know, if your inputs don't provide all of the exact examples that you would need, like if, like if, for example, if you're pasting in all of your URLs and one of them doesn't include a .org, but you want it to also include a .org, you might have to know a little bit of regex, but this mm-hmm. will certainly get you in the ballpark. It'll certainly get you closer and get you on the right path so that then you can paste it into something uh, like PHP regex live or something like that, where you can real time uh, see sort of what changes to your regex are going to affect your matches. Uh, so in any case, this is really, really neat. Uh, and it's again, free, free package. So check it out when you get a chance. Nice. All right. We have one last package here and that is a static static cache manager add-on static static with the recent relaunch of the Laravel news site we are now using Statamic as the CMS and heavily caching everything with the static caching system. Behind the scenes, what static caching does in Statamic is when a page is first loaded, the compiled HTML is generated and stored in a static directory as a completely flat file. Then the web server will attempt to load the static HTML first so it loads super fast. The method works great. However, one downside that we discovered is we have many, many pages on the site and a full cache can generate over 2,000 static files. And most of the time, we rarely need to totally clear the cache and it's not performant for us to clear it unless there's a good reason. With that said, there are times when we need a subset of the cache to be cleared when we move a post to a new category or add a tag or some other unique reason. 
The only way to clear a subset of the cache is to SSH into the server and then run a RM command using a targeted thing. So if we wanted to remove all of the news, we'd have to, you know, RM static slash news star using the wildcard to delete everything with that prefix. So this is where the static cache manager plugin from Duncan McLean comes in to make this easier. It's a pretty simple utility. In the control panel, it gives you a single text area where you can enter any paths you want to be cleared and then it removes them. Uh, and what makes this powerful is using PHP's glob function. So you can use wildcard paths by just putting a, a dropping an asterisk in there and it will go and figure out everything that matches that. So if you do utilize static full caching and are looking for a simple way of clearing a subset of the cache, give this package or this add-on a try. Very cool. And Duncan McLean, I've seen this dude popping up a little bit here and there. Uh, pretty cool dude. I had a couple of interactions with him on Twitter. Nice guy. Yeah. Very good work there. Okay. A couple of tutorials here to round us out and then we are all done, folks. So customizing stubs in Laravel. If we haven't talked about this enough, we're going to go ahead and beat this dead horse straight to <laughs> death, right? So this post shows you how to customize stubs used to generate various classes in your application. Uh, and you know what? I don't know if I'm going to do this. I, I don't know if we need to, right? I mean, we've we literally, we have, we have talked about it. And if you want the specifics of all yeah. of the things that we've talked about to now, yeah. check out these exactly. blog posts this is a from tutorial everybody's to tell you exactly favorite human, Paul Redmond. You, you He's got going it. to tell you, you all so, about how to do it. How you can publish the stubs, how you can make sure they get added to your repository, how you, uh-huh. can, use, how you can use your custom controller stubs using the dash dash type flag when making a controller, uh, which is you know brand new as of 8.36. Yeah. And I think yeah, forcing the good. updates is is the key one. This is one that's bitten me with configuration files when updating packages. If the config changes, for example, the Sparsy Laravel backup package, I recently updated that, but I didn't update the configuration file. And so a whole bunch of stuff didn't mm-hmm. work for oh, me yeah. properly because the config file got out of sync. So with stub files, especially like we mentioned with the the new migration syntax using the the anonymous classes, um, if you wanted to update that stub, you could do it manually or you could use PHP Artisan stub colon publish dash dash force and that will just override everything. And of course, because we're all using version control, we're using Git, um, you'll be able to see what changes and you can you know see if you want to accept the changes into your life or if you want to just ignore them and, and selectively add things. So definitely check out this post. It will cover off some wonderful things for you. And the last thing that we have is a quick tip on using Laravel Jetstream banners in your application. So in case you didn't know, Laravel Jetstream ships with a flash banner, which supports two different styles, both uh, I think it's success and danger. So a, mm-hmm, a, a, good, a good news, bad news alert. Um, you can vendor publish Jetstream views if you want to modify these and it will support both Inertia, JS, and Livewire. So definitely check that out if you're wanting to use these banners. It's just a little strip that sits at the top of your page. You know, thanks for signing up. Thanks for staying. Your trial expires in 12 days, that kind of thing. Handy-dandy little banner feature. So thanks to Jason Beggs for this one. Absolutely. That is it. That's it. That's all. And thanks again to our sponsors too. Scott APM, thanks for sponsoring the show. If you haven't checked them out yet, go ahead and do so by checking uh, scoutapm.com slash Laravel News. This has been episode 140. Thanks so much for joining us and for your patience in our uh, non... Oh man. I'm Delayed release. Time. I've got like... What's that now? Delayed release. Our delayed release. There we go. There we go. So if you'd like to find show notes for this episode, you can find them at podcast.laravel-news.com slash 140. 
Uh, if you'd like to hit us up on Twitter at Michael Dorinda, at Jacob Bennett, or at Laravel News, we always love to hear from you. And if you enjoyed the show, we would really appreciate it if you'd rate it up in your podcast of choice. Five stars would be greatly appreciated. Leave us a little review. That'd be awesome. And until next time, my friends, we will see you in two weeks. Bye. Bye.